Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. of Ephesians today, we are going back to a, a, a passage of scripture we talked about on Sunday, and I'm going to teach some more on kingdom dominion, and so we're going to go back to this passage of scripture and get our launching point from there. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 9, Ephesians 3 and 9, amen. The Bible says, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ to the intent now, to the intent now, unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access and confidence by the faith of him. When you come to the place of understanding kingdom dominion, there's a boldness that comes with it. There's a boldness of prayer. There's a boldness of worship. There's an access that opens up like nothing else and confidence by the faith of Amen. And I thank the Lord today for kingdom dominion. And we're going to talk about designed for victory tonight. Kingdom dominion designed for victory. Lord, we love you today. We praise you, God, for your people. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we're here tonight. Let the word of God God, fall upon us. Help us, Lord Jesus, uh, to do our best, Lord, and, and serve God, your people, in the best way possible. But we need your anointing and power to do that We give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Let everybody say amen. Amen. Praise God. The Lord bless you. You can be seated. Praise God. We learned from last Sunday morning that God has a plan for us to walk in dominion. It is a word that uh, is carried out through Scripture. But more than that, we understood that dominion is wrapped up in two elements of authority and power. Authority and power. And power. We learned that God wants to reveal his authority to us and power through us by being obedient to him. We live today in kingdom dominion when we submit to his authority and operate in the Holy Ghost power. I, I, I don't, there's so much in this that we, we're not going to get to this, but one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Temperance is what the King James says. And that is part of having dominion, is that we have dominion through the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, uh, meekness, amen. All those things that, that are a fruit of the Spirit is part about having dominion in our life, and God wants that. But tonight I want to talk about the conflict that is related to dominion. The spiritual war that is raging today that you and I are experiencing here in America, around the world is the conflict of cultures. It's on many fronts. The the battle is on many fronts. Uh, You have the conflict in culture that is going on today. Uh, There is the political hostilities uh, that are being manifested today. There's the wrangling over rights. Uh, There's the vicious controversy and battle over abortion, transgenderism, sexuality, the defining of family. And and these are horrible symptoms These are horrible symptoms of a deeper struggle. The personal battles today for your mind, for your health, for your home, for your future are indications of a deeper spiritual conflict. These battlefronts have one underlying reason 
for this universal war. One reason. It's the conflict of the ages, and it is really the battle over legitimate and illegitimate authority. The battle is over authority and who's going to have that in our life. There is a real authority, and then there is a counterfeit of that authority. For the illegitimate authority to exist, that means there has to be a legitimate authority. Everything that Satan does is a counterfeit. He can create nothing. Satan can create nothing. He has to counterfeit it to try to sell it, to reach, and to defeat the people of God. So the war over authority began long ago when Satan, who was known as Lucifer, as an archangel, was kicked out of heaven because of his rebellion. If you would look with me at Isaiah chapter 14 that depicts this fall of Satan. It says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thy heart, look at the I wills that are mentioned here. Look at the times that it says I will. You have said in your heart, I will ascend to the heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Lucifer, the son of the morning, was a beautiful, high-ranking, angelic being. Ezekiel tells us about this same uh, event or same uh, catastrophic rebellion. And, and when Ezekiel says that God created him as the anointed cherub that covereth, as being a perfect being. Let's, let's, let's read that from Ezekiel 28 and verse 14. Thou art, thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. And I have set thee so. God set him up, didn't he? Paul says that all power comes and authority comes from God. He said, I set thee up so. That was upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou was perfect in thy ways from the day thou was created till iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore, I will cast thee as a profane, as profane out of the mountain of God. I will destroy thee. I, I, o oh, covering cherub. Notice that statement, covering cherub. He said that he was a cherub that covered. Now he's called him the covering cherub from the midst of the stones of fire. Thy heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reasoning of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Pride and rebellion fill the heart of Lucifer, the cherub that covereth. And he wanted the throne of God. He wanted to supersede the power of God. He wanted to be past the authority of God. So he set himself up as, I'm beautiful, I'm great, I'm wonderful, amen. And the Lord even said he created him perfect until iniquity came into his heart. Lucifer lost his place, he lost his position when he revolted against God's authority. That perfectness became tainted by his own pride. And so rebellion entered into the heart of Satan and he was evicted from his place. He was stripped of his position and he was cast off from his purpose. Let me just tell you today that rebellion will still rob you of your place, your position, and your purpose no matter how beautiful you are. No matter how good we are, it will do that. We remember that uh, Satan was, uh, or Lucifer was an angel, an angelic being who rebelled. Let me show you what rebellion looks like from the scripture just quickly. Let's look at what rebellion looks like. Isaiah chapter 30 and verse number 1. Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel but not of me, that cover with the covering but not of my spirit. 
How many remember what Ezekiel said that he was the anointed cherub that covered? Evidently, Lucifer had some kind of designed authority given to him by God to be over others. He was over others. He had influence over others. He was to be a delegated authority over others. He was covering others. And so when you see the word covering, that, that, that tends to tell us about something that is an overshadowing or something that is a protecting or something that is to mask or, or, or an authority. But he says here in this book, the rebellious, they cover with the covering, but not in my spirit. Not in my attitude, the Lord says, that they may add sin to sin that walk to go down into Egypt and have not asked at my mouth and strengthened themselves in the strength of Pharaoh and the trust in the shadow of Egypt. Rebellion is a dangerous place here tonight because it puts a person out of spiritual alignment. And when there is no spiritual alignment, there is no covering. So false covering has to come into place. Remember when Adam and Eve fell, what did they do? They tried to cover up, didn't they? They made themselves fig leaf covering, trying to cover up. And the Lord said, that is not the kind of covering I want. Amen. Today, there should be a hunger in our heart that says, cover me, Lord. Cover me, Lord, in the way that you would want me to be covered. I can't afford to be rebellious. The rebellious, they have traded the shadow of the Almighty for the shadow of Egypt. They trade the covering of the divine for the covering of the world. Amen. Here is the evidence that is before us of those that have traded that rebellious nature. Amen. They stopped seeking the counsel of the Lord. When you get to the place you stop seeking the counsel of the Lord, that's dangerous ground. They had a false covering to hide their sin. Egypt was their main influence. I cannot afford to let the world be my influencer. I cannot afford to let the world be the one that is dictating to me. Whether it be media on the right or on the left or in the middle or up and down, whatever the case may be, I must be influenced by the Lord and his word. They no longer consult the voice of God. And their protection is found in human strength. When they go to Egypt and they look to Pharaoh, amen. Rebellion, we find it begins with the iniquity in the heart until iniquity was in the heart of Lucifer, amen. Iniquity is rebellion against the command and the rule and the authority of God. And so he had this influence and his rebellion influenced others. And the Bible tells us that One-third of the angelic beings that were created by God followed him. Went with him down the the, the path of eviction. So he carried with him others. He influenced others. And these angels now are portrayed in Scripture. We have the holy angels of God that follow the Lord. And then we have those that were fallen angels that we know as demons, devils. Satan's minions, if you please. Let's just talk about, I want, I want, to, I want to talk a little bit about angels and, and angels in their position. When we look at scripture, we find that angels are spirit beings that were created by God. The Bible teaches us that they are messengers that are of God that obey his command. The good angels obey his command. Under the direction of God, they have a wide range of capacity. They are created beings and they do not die. Angels do not marry. Amen. They're unique and superior even to man. Christ has a different nature than angels according to Hebrews 2 and 16. Jesus Christ in his humanity was made lower than the angels. So are you and me. We are lower than the angels. We are a being that was created lower than the angels. It's not good for the ego, is it? Okay. Angels were created to be worshiping beings, to worship around the throne. The fallen angels. Satan drew a third of the, fall, of the angels with him, and the Bible speaks of these angels as being devils. And 
and, 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 and demons. We, you will find it's devils plural in a lot of places. You will see that throughout scripture. Satan and his fallen angels, his allies, could not unseat the king of kings from his throne. So they now have turned their attention to corrupt man and make sure that the king of kings is not on the throne of their heart. Now the intent of the enemy is to make sure that people are not saved, that they're blinded to truth, to make sure that those that are believers are, are discouraged and defeated, to make sure that we are, are, are not allowing the king of kings to be on the throne of our heart. Amen. So demons come to bring a counterfeit message that corrupts truth. God sends angelic messengers, amen, to give direction and devotion divine appointment. God has messengers in angelic form, hallelujah, that will come like they did to Lot and say, get out. Angels that appeared to Paul that said, do not be afraid. The ship may go down, but you're not going down. Angels that spoke to Philip that says, get out and go south. Amen. Gabriel that appeared to Joseph and said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. Demonic angels, on the other hand, want to influence people to destroy their relationship with God and get them out of order. False teachers that you and I hear today, false teachers and preachers that we, we see on, on YouTube or, or wherever it may be that, that abound, where do you think they get their false doctrine? Do you think they just get their false doctrine from some school of false doctrine? Do you think that they just go off the deep end because they just decide to jump? Look at what Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4 and 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, doing what? Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Amen. If, if we're not careful, we can be influenced by the wrong message from the wrong messengers. The wrong message from the wrong messengers. We don't have a little devil on one side and a little angel on the other side, but we have a conflict of the enemy that wants to feed us messages into our minds. We often think about the devil, you know, he puts thoughts in our mind, but I want to tell you what, there are some angels I believe that are ministering to you and you don't even realize it when it says, come on, you can make it. Come on, you can do it. Come on, this is this. I believe that God sends us messengers that are, that are of the divine nature to encourage us. But why is it so easy for us to listen to seducing spirits? Because they're seducing. Because they know how to tell us how bright we are, how pretty we are, how good we are, how wonderful we are, how perfect of an apostolic we really are. The devil wants to come and make you feel because he is a wolf in sheep's clothing. Amen. He, he comes as an angel of light. It's very important that we understand that the war that is on us today is in the heavenlies. It is a spiritual conflict. So why, if Satan is so bad, why, if the demons are so bad, why didn't God just simply wipe them off the face of all universe? Wouldn't that be good? Wouldn't it be wonderful if that happened? Man, wouldn't it, wouldn't, what kind of world would we be if we didn't have any devil? Hmm, we'll find out one of these days. We'll right, that's right. But what did God do? When Satan fell and all of his demons, he created a lesser being than the angels to win the war on authority. Let that sink for a minute. Instead of destroying Satan, he made a being that was lesser and said, I'm going to whip you with a lesser being. I don't know about you, but that makes me kind of proud. Makes me kind of excited. Hallelujah. 
God is using lesser creatures to do what Satan could not do. Submit to authority and deploy kingdom power. You know what the Lord said? You know what what the first prophecy was about this? Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Here's the very first thing that Satan got awareness like, oh no, something's afoot. Really? (laughs) Y'all catch that in just a minute. It, 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 it began to show him that, that there was something coming down the line from human reproduction. That there was going to be a destruction over him. So what's the first thing he does? He gets two brothers mad at each other and gets into one's head and makes him kill the other one. So he can wipe out what he thinks may be the opportunity for the good seed. So evidently, Satan kind of got an idea, and Cain's a pretty bad joker. And, oh, Abel, he's a pretty good joker. Let's kill the good guy so we can stop this. But what one counting on was Seth coming along. God is saying, if you, you know, devil, you can fight this. And he has fought it from the very beginning all the way through Scripture, all the way through the Old Testament. He fought the seed of the woman. He fought it left and right because he knew that the day was going to come that the seed of the woman was going to crush his head. Hallelujah. Well, let me just tell you. Amen. Jesus, the only begotten Son of God. Amen. Jesus, the man, Christ Jesus, the Son of Mary, the second Adam. Amen. Both God and man came to seal the fate of Satan. And Jesus took on the form of man, something that was lesser than the angels, that he might win back what the first Adam lost so that you and I can have kingdom dominion. And so you and I I can have a message of real hope so we can have a gospel. Amen. Hallelujah. Behold, the angel said, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Amen. Which shall be to you and everybody. Why? Because the ability to overcome, the ability to be victorious, the ability to have dominion in our life just was born in a manger. Can you thank the Lord for that? I like what Dr. Tony Evans wrote when he said, But God said to Satan, Because you thought you could win this war through my lesser creation man, I'm going to use this lesser creature to defeat you by showing you that even a lesser creature who is obedient to me is greater than a superior being who rebels against me. The Old Testament provides a story after story of how God takes a lesser person or group and gives them victory over a greater group. Think of David. Man, he's lesser. (laughs) But not with God on his side and authority in his hand. Praise be to God. Gideon with just 300 men and the host of Midian before him. Just take Gideon and 300 men being obedient to God. What is obedient to God? Well, I want you to fight this way. I want you to go get me some pictures, put your light inside of it, get you some trumpets, and then break it and then sh- uh, blow through that trumpet. I'm going to give you victory. That don't make a lick of sense. But yet God said, I want to show Satan. I'll take the lesser and I'll whip the greater. I'll take the lesser and I'll whip the greater. This is the war that you and I are in right now. And that is the Satan wants to try to influence us so we feel defeated, so we feel overcome, so we feel like we can't win. But when we operate in our own power, we will lose every time. But when we submit and obey the authority of God, we will win every time. Hallelujah. When we submit to our self-will, we will lose every time. But when we obey God over our will, amen, we will win every time. Submission says, Lord, I depend on your authority and power completely. I cannot do this on on my own. Amen. You know what? We cannot whip Satan by ourselves. Go ask the seven sons of Siva, and you will find that there were those that tried to cast out devils. But what did the devil say? 
What did the demons say to the sons of Siva in the book of Acts? What was it that they said? Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. But I don't know you. Why? Because even in their fallen state, demons recognize alignment and authority. And they recognize that Jesus, of course, is the the Lord of authority. But in Paul was delegated authority. And I want to tell you that you and I are living in a time where there ought to be a word that says in hell. Dylan Hirsch, I know. Carrie Brewer, I know. Hallelujah. Bishop Walls, I know. Amen. But, but, but I want to be known. It, it should make the devil begin to start strategizing every morning you hit the floor. Amen. Because a child of God just simply shows up and says, I am here by the authority of God. It ought to make the devil start to re-strategize and start to make, but oh no. When we step into our job, when you walk on the school campus, when you walk into your job, whatever it may be, when you drive your truck, whatever that situation, you and I ought to walk in the place where today I represent the king of kings and the lord of lords and this lesser being is going to take authority over the greater being and this lesser being is going to have dominion in the name of Jesus can you thank the lord can you thank the lord you and I are not big enough we're not smart enough we're not pretty enough we're not talented enough to do this by ourselves. We need his power. I want his power. Let's look at some scriptures where it teaches us the lesser becomes the greater. 1 John 4, verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit. Somebody say, I got to do that. I'm not going to believe every spirit. But what am I going to do? I'm going to try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are going out in the world. I'm going to try and see if that's, if it doesn't line up with the word, that's not a spirit that you ought to trust. Verse 2, hereby know we the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof we have heard that it should come, and even now already it is in the world. How many know we're battling the Antichrist spirit today? Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater, mark that, greater is he that is in you, than he that is in the world. Who is the he that is in the world? Let's read on. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God, he that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. You and I, we must live in a place where we have discernment enough to say that's not truth. That is truth. That is not of God. That is of God. Amen. There is such a pressure today to trip us up, to get us in the place where we just believe something that is, you know, man-made and that we just conjure up on our own. But that's what the enemy does. That's the principle of the enemy. What we must do is try it because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. You say, Pastor, how am I going to judge? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. How am I going to get past all this pressure that is coming against me on Facebook, on media and everywhere? How am I going to get that? The family comes against me. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And when you believe that, you'll see God operate in your life. Hallelujah. Can you say amen?
Let's jump to Ephesians 1, please. 17. Ephesians 1, 17. Talking about where we can see the lesser overcoming the greater. That's dominion. Ephesians 1, 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Somebody say, I need that. The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Then the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Lord, let me see it. Lord, let me see this. Help me to see this authority wall that you have and dominion that you have. That we may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Then look at this. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? The exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him on, set, and set him at his own right hand. Anybody know what that means? Does that mean that it's set Jesus down? On the physical properties of the right hand of the Father? Is that what that means? My question is, where is the right hand of the Father? Who is the Spirit? How are you going to find the right hand? First of all, that's not what that means. It means he set him in the position of authority. Jesus' name is the name of authority. Jesus' name is the name of healing. He is in the position of authority. Don't look at it as one person sitting next to a person, but rather in the ultimate position of authority. He sat on his, at his right hand in the seat of authority in heavenly places, far above all principality. Somebody say above. All principality and power, might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and had put all things under his feet, and gave to him the head over all things to the church, to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Mm. And a lot of times because of the chapter situation uh, or, or the chap chapter separations, we, we, we quit reading. But he continues his thought in the next chapter. Amen. And he says, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses of sin, where in time past you walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power there. Amen. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. That is out of alignment. It's rebellion. It's not following the authority of God. It's man in disobedience. Then verse 3. Among whom also we all had our conversation in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, were by nature the children of wrath even as others. But God... Woo! Hallelujah. But God, who is rich in mercy and for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I'm with Christ. I am with Christ. By grace ye are saved. And then notice this. And hath raised us up together and made us to sit Together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. I know I've preached on this before, but I want you to look at it in the context where he says, where is Jesus Christ? He is far above all principality and all power, all dominion, all authority. He is far above it. Now, where are those that have been redeemed? They are sitting with Christ. He took the lesser, he took the lower, and he brought him up because of of Calvary and an empty tune and now we are born again and we can too now sit with him and we 
You need to know where you're sitting tonight. You're not sitting in a subservient seat where the devil can keep ragging on you and, and tormenting you and getting you all disturbed. Amen. But you are sitting with Christ above. He took the lesser and he joined the lesser with him in his authority. And he now says all things are now beneath you. No wonder the devil ought to be shaking and quaking when you wake up in the morning. I think we allow the enemy to intimidate us far too much. We feel like that we're just not good enough, we're not perfect enough. You're right, we're the lesser. We're just a pile of mush. We're just a clump of dirt. But when he has redeemed us and we wear his name and we carry his name, Oh, praise be to God. Can you love the Lord today and tell him thank you for your name? I'm a child of God. I sit with Jesus in heavenly places. It's not some kind of magic potion that I can just speak some things and name it, claim it, and grab it. But I can surely stand victorious in dominion. That doesn't have to rule me anymore. Sin does not have to rule me anymore. My life is not going to drag me around, but I'm going to take my life and put it under the authority of Jesus Christ. I'm going to quit dropping and flopping and flipping and in and out and up and down and halfway in and halfway out. No, I'm going to go sit with him in heavenly places. I refuse to let the devil continue to steamroll me, make me feel depressed and defeated. Amen. I'm going to make sure he knows where I'm seated. I am seated with, I'm seated with him and that is why I have dominion in the name of Jesus. No wonder, he said, in our leading text, to the intent now that principalities and powers in heavenly places <laughs> might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. I just wonder now and if the Lord doesn't go, told you so. When he takes the lesser, fills him with his spirit, and we obey God, and are faithful and consistent with the Lord. I just wonder if the Lord would say, like he did to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Have, have, you, have, you, seen, have you seen Sister Teresa Brewer? Do, do, have you ever, ever watched her? Ever? Mm -hmm. I wonder. I believe he does. I believe he does. I believe he says, look here, devil, they're winning in spite of your best efforts. They're overcoming in spite of your biggest temptations. As my dad would say, that's enough to make a mummy shout. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Praise be to God. That is why he is making known to the principalities and power his manifold wisdom by the church. We're victorious. We are the lesser who begins to win the war and is winning the war over the greater. How do we do that? How, what are some practical things that we can do? Let's go to the book of James chapter 4. It's one thing to arbitrarily and, and in our mind think I'm sitting with him in heavenly places. But how do we put it in practice? But he giveth more grace. Somebody say favor. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hand, you sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Isn't that simple and yet profound? For all of you that fit the category of the list makers, how many list makers do I have in the house? Praise God. Uh, be bold, be brave. You that are beavers, I know. List makers, making list. This is a simple list. Submit, resist, draw, cleanse. Say that with me. Submit, resist, draw, cleanse. 
God resists the proud, so we got to get that out. We need to get pride out of our life through repentance and aligning with the Lord, saying, not my will, but your will be done. So self-will has got to go. God resists self-will. So if I'm going to win, if I'm going to have dominion, pride has got to be out of my life. Amen? And then grace comes instead. Where pride is, grace and favor come. Amen. Grace is, is God given to us what we cannot, we cannot imagine him. We sit down Tuesday night. We went out to eat with uh, Brother and Sister Adams. And what an amazing story. They went into more detail about what God is doing and how God is opening up doors. And it's just, it's, it's phenomenal. They get, they get, they're getting money from Oregon and, and, and other states and big time rich folks that are giving just, 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 we never ask for it. We never, it's just, you know what? That's favor. That's favor. That's the grace of God. Hallelujah. I don't know how I got that raise. I don't know how I got that uh, uh, promotion. I don't know what, yeah, you do. It's called the favor of God. I don't know how I should be uh, biting my nails and wringing my hands and be all upset about everything when I looked at my checkbook. But I looked at it the other day and I thought, I'm going to make it. I got a balance of $5.55. I am going to make it. I don't know how, but I, you see, that's the favor of the Lord. Favor doesn't always look like money in your bank. It looks like peace in your mind. Peace in your mind. You have peace in your mind. Everything, God's got his hand on it. God's got it. Somebody say, God's got this. If I'll obey him, God's got this. Hallelujah. Because he said, if I get rid of the pride, he's going to bring grace in its place. Grace. God gives grace over and over again to us. Amen. Then it says, submit. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Dominion demands submission. You can't have dominion without submission. There can be no victory then without submission. Hupatasso is the Greek word here, which means to yield to governance or authority, to yield to a governance or authority. It is a military term that means to draw up an order of battle. To draw up an order of battle. It means get in your rank, get in your file, get in the position of maneuvers, however that looks, and, 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 and whatever the, the battle strategy is, get in your place. Get in your rank. Amen. It's a military term that means to come up under a leader. Uh, 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 troops are put into divisions and they're arranged in a military fashion underneath the, the commander or leader. I know you've got your generals. What's the next one, Brother B? Under a general. Depends. Just, is it colonels? Go to colonels and then what's after colonels and corn? <laughs> Major, you have rank that constantly begins to file into authority. And so the general gives a command over here to go to war, and that follows all the way down till it comes to those that carry out those orders. That's what submission is, is that I am submitting to the orders that are coming down to me. So when God gives me orders, whether it comes directly by his word or in prayer, or it comes through a preached message, or it comes through a Bible study. Amen. I've got my orders. Let me get myself in the right place. Let me get myself in the right place. And if I'm in a position, I am submitted. If I'm not in position, I'm not in submitted. And when I'm not submitted, I can't win the battle. All right? In a non-military use, the word hypotasos describes a voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility, or carrying a burden. The word would be surrender. I surrender to you. I surrender to you. Hallelujah. Well, there's a battle for that in our life, isn't it? Romans chapter 8 verse 6 says, For to be carnally minded is death. But if you're spiritual minded, it's life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God or an enemy against God for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. I, my flesh does not want to submit to the Lord. So the spirit man inside of me, the Holy Ghost inside of me says, flesh, you line up with God. 
Once again, hallelujah, there's a submission in the own, our own life. Our spirit man, amen, ought to be the driving force after, the, after we're connected by power and by the Holy Spirit. We ought to say we're going to be submitted to the Lord. Submission puts us in right alignment and order so we can have dominion. Submission causes one to decrease so that others can increase. Submission causes us to serve rather than control. Submission is concerned with the entire body of Christ and not just one's personal pet project. If you can't help others succeed in the kingdom of God, don't expect others to help you succeed. Submission. Submission rejoices when others surpass your gifts. When others surpass your gifts. Submission frees one from the spirit of competition and comparison. You want to know how to get past, for, well, they're doing this, and I'm doing that, and they're doing this. Just get submitted. Get in line. Hallelujah. I'm just a rug rat. Gonna, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going to be a, a grunt following the command of the, my, my officer. Submission to spiritual authority con- controls the release of God's power and favor in your life. Let me say that again. Submission to spiritual authority controls the release of God's power and favor in your life. When pride comes in, that's shut off. Rebellion comes in, that's shut off. Submission is a voluntary and continual place in ourself under God's ordained authority. Most people find it easy to submit as long as they agree with what God's saying. Lord, as long as I agree with what, what, what is being preached, I can do that. But true submission is not really tested until we come to a point when we're giving orders that we don't agree with. Mm. But true dominion happens when we follow and obey anyway. He said submit. Then he said resist. Everybody say resist. Submit. Resist. Resist means to stand against or set against. Amen. Uh, it, it, in the Greek, it is from an aerorist imperative sense, which is, is a military term in itself that means obey. An active voice that describes that I actively choose to obey. I actively choose to submit. I actively choose. This is a choice, brothers and sisters. I choose. Hallelujah. So when you wake up in the morning, you say, I submit to you, Lord. Everything you want this day belongs to you. The devil is shaking. Somebody say amen. amen. Praise God. Resist. Resist means to take a stand against. Set yourself against. Amen. Everything that the enemy says, I'm against. Every attack that he comes, I against. This word resist in itself is, is a military term, amen, that means uh, uh, the battle has been set in array and we are in a face-to-face confrontation with the enemy. It is refused to refer an army arranging in battle against the enemy forces and so to array itself. It means to set oneself against, to stand firm against. Hallelujah. I believe that everything the enemy pushes towards us, we ought to be in opposition against. We are, I'm in opposition against abortion not because it's something that is a political debate. I'm against abortion because it's pushed by hell. Hallelujah. The things that you and I ought to stand against, uh, amen, ought to come from a clear mandate from glory that says submit and then resist. I cannot overcome what I'm not willing to submit to God to. Amen. And I can't overcome what I'm not willing to oppose in my life. Identify it. Oppose it. Let me, let me show you from the book of Matthew, the Lord's Prayer, in this whole context of dominion and victory, designed for victory, you're going to find a lot of authority statements in the Lord's Prayer, which he gave to his disciples. He said in Matthew 6 and 9, after this manner, therefore pray you, our Father which art in heaven, somebody say Relationship. 
He wants me to have a relationship with him. He's my father, my heavenly father. Hallowed be thy name. That is character and authority. Thy kingdom come. Thy rule. Your righteousness. Seek ye first the righteousness of God and his... Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. His righteousness first. His righteousness first. His righteousness first. Not my feelings, not my wishes, not my desires. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as, in, as it is in heaven. His will, his purpose, not mine. Say that with me. His will, his purpose, not mine. You want to walk in dominion? That's what you got to say. Your kingdom come, thy will be done in, in earth as it is in heaven. That means your righteousness, your purity, your purpose, your design. Lord, let it be here on earth. And even if it goes against my will, even if it goes against my flesh, let it be, O oh God, because I submit to you. Then he said, give us this day our daily bread. What does that say? You're my source. Somebody say, he's my source. He's the source of my strength. He's the source of my peace. He's the source of, of my finances. He's my source. Then he says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lord, I got to get along with these people here on earth. I can't do it by myself. I'm not alone. It matters how I live among others. Kingdom living is not just about how big and wonderful we are in the spirit. It's also how can I get along with others? How do I get it? And then comes this battle part. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Why? For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. What does that mean? Is that I can have dominion. I'm asking God for dominion every day. I ask him for dominion against temptation every day. I'm asking him for victory over the evil one every day. Why? Because it's about him. It's about glorifying him. What am I saying? Lord, let me live up to your prophetic word to Satan. Let this lesser Become the greater in victory. Let me live in a way that it's a slap in the face to the devil every time he tempts me. Hey, man, I'm going to throw it right back at him. I'm going to resist. I'm going to throw it back to him. Let me have the victory, Lord, in a special way so that it, you will get the glory. You will get the honor. Praise be to God. One more scripture. The landing flaps are down. The landing gear is slowly coming out. We're about to conclude. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3. You know this scripture very well. But let's read the thought in its entirety. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after flesh. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imagination and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought, listen to what it says, to the obedience. Somebody say it. Obedience. What does obedience do? It puts me in a place of dominion. Obedience puts me in the place of dominion. Obedience of Christ. Then verse 6. And having a readiness to revenge. All disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Spiritual victory is not just about me overcoming a stronghold. It's putting it back on the devil. It's getting some revenge on him. It's getting some place where, you know what? I did disobey, but I'm no longer under your authority. I'm no longer under your thumb. I'm now under Jesus Christ. And now I have the power to revenge through my obedience. So, so every, every perception, every idea, every notion, every thought, every concept that we bring under the authority of Jesus Christ, 
It's a revenge against the enemy. Every time you resist rebellion, every time you resist rebellion, you are winning the war for dominion. Every time you stand against temptation and you say no, you're reminded of the devil he's a loser. Every time you pull down strongholds of your mind and of your will, you're saying I win. I'm an overcomer. Every time you adjust your thinking to be connected under Christ and submit unto Christ, you are winning a victory. Every time you adjust your finances to the principles of the kingdom and the king, you're saying, look at here, devil, the lesser is doing what you could not do. Woo! Hallelujah. Every time you pray and seek the Lord and call on the name of the Lord, amen, you're reminding the devil, here's a little revenge on you. Every time you study the word and you begin to say, Lord, speak to me through the word, you're setting a course for revenge on the enemy. Every time you get knocked down and you make a mistake and you get back up and you dust yourself off and you head to an altar of repentance and you get right with God and you start walking with the Lord again, you know what? You're saying, look at here, the lesser is going to win this battle. Lord, I thank you. I thank you. Every time you reach for the lost, every time you teach a Bible study, invite a person to church, build a relationship to win a soul, you're saying, look at here, devil. I'm not going on. Every time your purpose is attacked and you feel like you're a flat failure and you get back up again and you say, I'm going to keep going. I know who I am. I know God's got something for me. And you keep going. You know what you're saying? I have dominion. I have dominion. When the fruit of the Spirit is produced in your life and you begin to see love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, temperance, the Bible says that against such there is no Law, that means there's no regulation. (laughs) There's no regulation to love. There's no regulation to peace. There's no regulation to joy. There's no regulation to to being gentle. And there's no regulation to being meek. There's no regulation on being self-controlled. There's no regulation when you got the Holy Ghost. Lord, just let it flow through me. Every time you love like the Lord loves, you're telling the devil, looky here, see, I can do that. I can do that because of Christ that's in me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world is more than just a pat scripture that I can quote. It's a reminder of my dominion in Christ. Stand with me, please. I am convinced, I really am convinced that we are, we're living in a day where we realize that there is a, a place in Christ that we can be in heavenly places. But I'm concerned that we have been conditioned in, as apostolics to just simply say, I get to church and I have a good feeling, then everything, that's where I need to be. Man, didn't we have a good church tonight? Preacher didn't get to preach. We run and shout the aisles. And, isn't that great? But I don't want to limit where God wants me to be by my own emotions or what is tradition. I want us to pray, and this is what I'm going to ask you to pray right now. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer. I want us to pray, God, take us into the heavenlies with you during this meeting, during this revival. Take us in the place of divine appointment. You said that I am above principality and power. Amen. The devil's going to fight you about getting to church. He's going to fight you about being here. He's going to fight you and tell you all kinds of things. But I will submit to you. Why don't you just take dominion over that? Take dominion over it. Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, church, let's pray. Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorchurch.com to learn more about our ministry.